Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Aw, you didn't have to go so all out for my birthday. Yes, we did. Because birthdays are about showing your friends how much you care for them and how grateful you are for their... This is Jamie from Progressive. No, this is a great time. Progressive protects you 24-7. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry that happened. <clears throat> Jamie. Can you hold on one second? Uh, I gotta take this call. But remember, birthdays are about togetherness. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. Welcome into Stacking the Box. It was week 14 of the NFL uh, it's still going on because we've got the Bears and the Rams playing right now. That's actually where Matt Verderam is. We're going solo this week. I'm Josh Hill, joined by Jason Cole, Editor-in-Chief, Fanside. Have you been on this show before? I have never been on this show, and I am so excited. That's right. This is the peak. This is why, you know... Like, you- it's the pinnacle <laughs> of doing Fanside, and I'm just, I'm overjoyed. And I can't wait to interact during this whole thing. Although, i got to say... This Harold Baines making the Hall of Fame thing yeah. has thrown me for a loop. Yeah. I'm not going to get in too much into it. You know, I know we're in Chicago and stuff like that, and there are people rejoicing, but I'm bothered by that. Let's get back to football. Yeah, Harold Baines was a bit of a downer on the evening, but there was a lot of things that happened in Week 14, a lot of things that influenced the playoff picture. Before we get into the games for next week and look back a little bit on what happened, Jason, what did you see from this week that kind of stood out from you and you went, oh, that's interesting? I would say that the AFC contenders, quote-unquote, in here, were not impressive. I, I thought Kansas City did fine to get through that game against Baltimore. It's a tough matchup for them. That's fine. You win in overtime. You maintain your control of the number one seed. But then you go through New England, Houston, Pittsburgh, right there. Yeah. Those three teams fail to come up with victories. You know, And granted that two of them were on the road, uh, but fail to come up with victories to control their destiny, and frankly, I think all of them showed themselves to be frauds. And we'll talk a little bit at length about Pittsburgh here shortly, and we're also going to talk about Houston quite a bit, but New England. And I know they have problems in Miami historically. It doesn't make any sense to me, Mm -hmm. uh, but they do. And to lose that game, especially the way that they lost it, on basically a tactical error at the end of the game, is telling because... The other factor is they allowed Miami to be in this game for so long. So I don't understand that one. I thought the AFC was going to be really interesting and really fun, especially in the playoffs. And it still could be. But those three teams really left me with a down. What do you think? Yeah, well, so the Chiefs, they clinched a playoff berth today. They could have won the division, but they Mm -hmm. didn't. Um, the, The Patriots could have clinched a playoff spot. They didn't. Mm-hmm. So right now, all you have in the AFC is the Chiefs. And the Patriots aren't going to miss the playoffs because they're the Patriots. But you really could have a lot of change. Because at the bottom, you've got the Ravens right now who lost. You've got the Chargers at 10-3 and three who could still miss the playoffs. They probably won't. Mm-hmm. But the Dolphins, the Colts, the Titans, even the Broncos who lost, they're kind of still in this. The Browns, who Mark Carmen has going to the AFC Championship game, if you listen to the Facebook Live show, before the Sunday Slates... The Browns are technically still in this. You don't want to listen to the rest of his picks. No. Well, he did. He did pick Nick Mullins somehow, but Broken Clock is right twice a day. So he missed all the other ones. But no, the AFC is going to be very fascinating. And then just if we're talking playoff pictures, hopping over to the NFC. The Rams, they clinch last week. The Saints, they clinch this week. The Bears are playing right now. At the bottom, though, tomorrow, the Seahawks and the Vikings go against each other. That's a 5-6 seed right now. The Eagles, the Redskins, the Panthers, the Packers... Any of those teams that are on the outside of the NFC playoff picture looking in, do you see them getting in? Do you see any kind of hope if you're an Eagles fan watching what you watched today? Is there any hope of getting in, being the underdogs that they are? I, I, look, 
I don't think you hold out a whole lot of hope mathematically. You know, Carolina is the same kind of thing. You don't, they're technically in it. You don't hold out a lot of hope because of the way the team is playing mm-hmm. overall. So, again, those teams are kind of limping along, not on any kind of ascending route mm-hmm. here. So, to me, it looks like, you know, you're talking Seattle, Minnesota, even though I don't think either one of them is going to eliminate the other one in this one. No. They don't have an easy stretch the rest of the way, but it appears to me they're clearly the favorites to go get those two wild card spots. Yeah, and right now as it stands, the Bears would host the Vikings in the wild card round, which is interesting. When was the last time they played in the playoffs? Do you remember? I don't remember. That's when was the last time the, the, the Bears played? It's been far too long, if you ask people in Chicago. Yeah, right, exactly. So uh, it, it, are you, you, you go back always, could we end up going back to the Bud Grant days? Wow, Bud Grant. You know Bud Grant. Or were we talking about the 80s, like the Anthony Carter <laughs> days? Just way back. The way back machine. Yeah, I mean, I, we, we need to look that one up. We'll- you probably know Progressive Insurance for insuring your home and auto. You may know Flo and Dr. Rick. But what you may not know is that Progressive helps employees support over 3,800 charitable organizations annually because we're committed to helping our employees, and our employees are committed to helping others. Anyway, we just wanted to share. We were a little too proud of it to keep it to ourselves. And if you already knew all of this about us, you've either heard this radio spot before or just randomly know a lot about Progressive. Find out more about how we're dedicated to our customers and communities at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates based on data from May 2020 through April 2021. Get the answer to that one maybe for next week. We're yeah. not going to look it up. No, and uh, for the record, it'd be the Cowboys and the Seahawks and the other NFC wildcard games. So you got good matchups across the board there yeah. from what it seems. Let's get into the games for next week now. So we're only going to talk about 12. Usually we talk about every single game, but a lot of these games, as Verderan would say, are dumpster fires. We don't really need to talk about the Cardinals next week. We don't need to talk about the Bills next they're, week. They're atrocities. They're atrocities. It's not what you're looking for. Uh, they know what they did. To get themselves in the situation that we're not talking about. All of it. So, but so moving on to the games that actually matter. Two teams that we do want to talk about. The Chargers and the, the Chiefs. They play on Thursday night. The Chiefs right now, three-point favorites at home over the uh, over the Chargers. Who do you see coming out of this, Jason? Because this is an interesting matchup. It's an interesting matchup, except for the fact that the Chiefs own the Chargers here of late. Over the last, this year included... Nine straight victories. Mm-hmm. So they haven't lost him in five seasons. And a lot of these games are just lopsided. Only three of the previous nine games have been decided by less than 10 points. Uh, you know, you're looking at an average victory of two touchdowns for the Chiefs in these games. Mm-hmm. So since Andy Reid has been there, basically, the Chiefs have dominated this matchup. Now, what I find interesting is this is Pat Mahomes' first meaningful game in this one. Okay, all of those victory. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say they have the earlier game this season that's meaningful. Most of those games were under Alex Smith. Yeah, but this is a meaningful game at home for Pat Mahomes against a healthy Chargers front, where you have both Bosa and you have Ingram at this point in time. To me, that is going to be telling for Mahomes how he handles that because there were a couple of moments in today's game against the Ravens where, look, he threw some balls up. Uh, mm-hmm. For grabs, one of them got picked. You know, he was lucky on another one that Tyreek and uh, Tyreek Hill ended up with the mm-hmm. reception late in the game. Uh, you know, so there are some things that happened that you sit there and go, "Look, against good teams, you're not gonna. Uh, that's not gonna happen. It's not gonna work out for you." And this Chargers team is a good team. Yeah, I'm not sure they're great, but they're they're good, and they're they're taking care of their business. Yeah, Chargers coming to this game ten and three. The Chiefs eleven and two. Both teams win on Sunday. Uh, talking about the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill, he goes down two different times in this game. We thought he hurt his wrist. He very well could have hurt it. Well, he definitely hurt his They're wrist. They're not going to say just how hurt it is. You're going to try to cover that up. And then he hurts his ankle, his calf. Something happens later in the game. Uh, they've already lost Sammy Watkins for a while. Obviously, the Kareem Hunt stuff happened. He's no longer on the team. Those are three weapons on this offense that are either gone or extremely dinged up. They bring in Kelvin Benjamin, who, you know, is what he is, not necessarily going to help he's as Melvin, much as the other He's guys. the Melvin Turpin of his time. <laughs> yeah. There's the, uh, one of the Buccaneers writers joked that the 13 on his uh, jersey in Carolina used to be a B, and it just, the man, the man got into too much barbecue. Um, and now that he's in Kansas City, that's going to make not, it so much It's, it's not going to help. Yeah. Uh, it's, but we're slowly seeing some of these wheels get a little wobbly on Andy Reid's offense. 
are there enough things? So say Tyreek Hill, something happens. He misses a couple of games down the stretch of the season here. What does this offense look like if it's just Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and a bunch of other guys, which is slowly what we're starting to get to. Like Spencer Ware, well, he's all right, dynamic. but he's Look, still it's not Spencer dynamic, Ware. okay? I mean, it's just not dynamic in any way, shape, or form. Because mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill changes everything that the defense does against you. I mean, look, Kelsey's a nice player, but you can take tight ends out. You can double cover them. You can hit them a lot. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot of things that make it a lot harder for those guys to control the field. Now, Kelsey's still going to get some catches, but he's going to be far less explosive if he doesn't have Hill on the end on the other side or wherever Hill happens to line up. Mm-hmm. So it's, this is a huge one for them. And I think that, look, they've got to win this game. This is sort of a must win game for the chiefs in that they got to sew up the division. Okay. And find a way to win enough games to rest Hill so that he's healthy for the playoffs. Cause you not only need those last couple of weeks, because if it's an ankle injury, you're talking about something significant that's going to linger. Mm-hmm. But he's got to get some rest, and then you need that bye week to get him even more rest, because he's the key to he's the the you know the straw that stirs the drink on that team. There's there in terms of weapons. Obviously, Mahomes has had a great year, and he's a dynamic quarterback who does a lot of interesting things. But Hill is a guy that allows you to redraw the X's and O's of what you do. There's no question about it. Anything on the Chargers stick out to you as something the Chiefs should be concerned about? Outside of Joey Bosa, because everybody's talking well, about Joey Bosa. Right. Is this, so we, we had this conversation in the office a couple of weeks ago, whether or not Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. And we, can't, we don't have time to get into that because it's a long right. conversation. But this does feel like it's a Phillip Rivers revival in a way because he's, he's been memed last week. Everybody's talking about the Phillip Rivers faces. And he's playing extremely well. Not that he hasn't played well his entire career, but it seems that people are noticing now. I don't know if that's just because it's been the prime time performances, but this could be another opportunity. He goes into Arrowhead. Mm-hmm. It seems like every single year the Chargers, it's something that goes wrong. They can't get the right kicker. They can't get the right coach. They can't keep guys healthy. Now it seems like the stars are lining up. Is this Philip Rivers' revival? You could say his revenge well, the, for that 14-2 season. Is it his last opportunity because yeah. it was the 14-2 season? The Marlon McCree moment, yeah. uh, which will never be forgotten no. by anyone in San Diego uh, because it probably cost him getting the new stadium done mm. when, it, when it's all said and done. I mean, can you imagine if they had won that championship, the amount of energy and momentum they would have right. had in 2006 to get something done. So that moment changes probably the arc of history for the Chargers franchise. Still have football in San Diego. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. A new stadium, all sorts of things because you've got such positive but moving forward from that, then you have the game in New England where where Philip Rivers is playing on a bad knee, plays mm-hmm. like a torn ACL. You know that's a great moment you know, where he takes a stand. But really, he hasn't done much since that. No. So, at age thirty-seven, is this the last opportunity for Philip Rivers to get the Chargers to a Super Bowl? Perhaps. I mean, look, you can't waste opportunities hoping. And Jacksonville did that last year, and we saw what happened this year coming back. So we've ranked these games in order of importance and in, important, in order of our interest in them. It just so happened that this game is the Thursday game. It's the first game. Uh, and, you will be, and you will be there. And we will be there. Verderam and I will be at Arrowhead, so uh, I will return. I don't know necessarily if Verderam is going to make, make it back from the trip, depending on what happens. Uh, game number two, the Dallas Cowboys and the Indianapolis Colts. The Cowboys, they beat the Eagles on a weird overtime play. Amari Cooper gets 1,000 yards in a game. or He scores a billion touchdowns. He had a great game. Um, mm-hmm. And that investment seems to be paying off. Like the offense. The, be- the best first-round pick trade that you've made <laughs> in the season. Jerry. It's certainly making up for the Roy Williams trade. Let's just say that. Definitely. But yeah. They get the win over Philly. Indianapolis, they get the win over Houston. Ends that winning streak by the Texans. So they go head-to-head next week. The Cowboys all of a sudden are 8-5 and five in control of the NFC East. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this, the Colts at 7-6, and six, hanging around the outside of that playoff picture. They need a few things to happen, but their, their playoff hopes are very much still alive. Right. You very famously picked them to go to the Super Bowl, and Andrew Luck is going <laughs> to win Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Stanford. Well, he's going straight to the Hall of Fame. Repping Stanford. Oh, they're already building the statue. So It's the bronze bust. Yeah, so. you, have things, you have things to do. Well, they're building the statue outside of Lucas Oil, is what I'm saying. So. Well, that was done already. Oh, well. That was upon his birthright. 
So he's in the Hall of Fame. He's already has the statue built. Are the are the Colts actually going to make the playoffs? Are they going to go into Dallas and win? Well, I've already picked them to make the playoffs. So <laughs> I the, mean, answer, the answer for me is yes. Now they're hosting this game against Dallas, yep. which is interesting. Look, this is a huge test for them because mm-hmm. they're playing. Their Cowboys defense is legit. Yeah. Right? But the Cowboys are also coming off what we're now four straight wins to get themselves back into this where we all thought that Jason Garrett, you know, was going to walk off the plank and. Being you know thrown to the sharks, right? You know it was going to be something out of the Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, um, some end for him like that. So I'm really interested because I thought the that the Cowboys were going to sort of regress today, and mm-hmm. they they came close a couple of times. Where here's this team that's gotten all this benefit, gotten on a roll, and they were going to sort of regress to 500, which is what the Cowboys inevitably do. Mm-hmm. So are they going to go on the road and win in Indianapolis? Or conversely, is Indianapolis going to take a stand and say, look, we are a playoff team. Yes, we hit a snag against Jacksonville a week ago, but we came right back against Houston. Mm -hmm. In Houston, won that game. And we're going to propel ourselves from here because Andrew Luck is playing back to where we expected him when we took him with the number one overall pick. So I think it's a, it's a fascinating game to me among two playoff contenders uh, that kind of have to establish themselves. And I think Dallas, Dallas is in a little easier position because they've got... How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Bucks and they've got the Giants in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. So they can look past this game a little bit. Uh, Colts can't look past it at all. Yeah, and so with the Cowboys, this last week they go, they host the Saints, hold one of the best offenses in football to under 15 points, under two touchdowns. Right. And then this week they come out, and for most of the game, it's pretty low scoring. It's 9 nothing. it's 9-3, so we've got a really low scoring game. How invested should we be in this Dallas defense? Because it seems like it's flared up out of nowhere. It's been Rod Marinelli's no, had a good have, unit they all have year. Good players, but like, all, all yeah. year it seems it's been the Rams defense is so good. Let's talk about you know the the, the Seahawks defense when it started to flare up a little bit. Now it seems as we're hitting the, hen, the the home stretch here, we've got the Cowboys. Is this a defense that can go in and win a wild card game? Go in and win a game against a Rams team because that's what Cowboys fans are going to start thinking because they're under the impression that well, Cowboys fans already think that that's what's <laughs> going to happen. Okay, they're already praising. Rod Marinelli as if he's you know, football Jesus. Uh, look, we're going to get ahead of ourselves with the Cowboys because we always get ahead of ourselves with the Cowboys, yep. or at least Cowboys fans do. I'm the one who's always looking at regression, the regression theory for them. I would just say this. I think the Cowboys have legitimate talent, especially in their front seven. When you talk about DeMarcus Lawrence, when you talk about um, Jalen Smith, when you talk about Mandarish, they get if they get Sean Lee back, Randy Gregory's playing some good football. That's a good team. That's a good defensive team. Now, can they go on the road and win two games on the road against the Saints and the Rams? Probably not. But they're leading the league in the fewest points allowed right now. That's a lot. There's a lot to say there. Talking about teams that are having some problems going on the road, even at home. Uh, game number three is the New England Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Both of these teams lose on Sunday. The the Patriots lose in a fluky way against the the Miami Dolphins mm-hmm. last minute. Like, it was it was spectacular to see. Not if you're a Patriots fan. And then the Steelers they lose at Oakland, and that now marks the third straight loss. Yeah, third straight loss for the Steelers. They've lost to the Raiders, which is inexcusable. They lost to the Broncos, and mm-hmm. then they lost to. The Chargers, that's right, and national television. So three straight losses. Jason, uh, what the hell is going on with the Steelers? Well, it should be four straight losses. It should be. Because Jacksonville, they were completely unimpressive until the fourth quarter in that game. They got dominated, really, for three quarters of that game. Mm-hmm. So, look, I think this is a team that doesn't know how to finish. I think they don't know how to string a an effort together from start to finish that says, you know, we know how to control a game. We know how to win big. And that comes down to Mike Tomlin. As much as I like Mike Tomlin on a personal level, and I think, again, he is a great manager of 
people in a locker room. Okay, he knows how to speak to players and get them going. He's not getting them to finish games. And you know, the San Diego game is a perfect example. You're up 16 points at halftime. Mm-hmm. You should be putting people away. Today, you've got to lead the fourth quarter. You make a bunch of plays to, to, to get this game. But against the Raiders, you just got to dominate that game. So now you're going up against a Patriots team this week. And since Tom Brady's been the quarterback, they own you. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tom Brady, a Tom Brady-led Patriots team versus the Steelers is 11-3. and three. Man, this is not even this is not even a really good matchup. I mean, it's five straight victories for the Patriots, mm-hmm. and yeah, some of those games have been close. Where you say, okay, you turn you flip a couple of plays, you know, this should be a different outcome. Yeah, but but the the truth is that that has not happened on a consistent basis. So to me, the the Steelers are in kind of a Waterloo situation. I mean, the way they're playing right now is the antithesis of what you talk about in the second half of the season as you're building towards a playoff run. Do you believe in the the New England Patriots as the second best team in the conference? Because they're the second best team record-wise by default. Do you feel like if you were to tell somebody that the Patriots right now are the second best team in the AFC, would you say that with any sort of conviction or confidence? No, because I think that their defense is, is poor at best. And I think that their offense is kind of cruising by on past accomplishment, and I think that there are, you know, look, they're still a good football team. Let's not kid ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if we see them in the Super Bowl come February, nobody's going to be surprised, mm-hmm. right? They, they, you know, that that goes without saying. But I watch this team, and I see a defense that has not been rebuilt. Um, they're patchworking it together. Yeah, the secondary is okay. Uh, and they've got you know a couple of players up front that you say okay they're you know, good solid players, but there's nothing dynamic about them. Mm-mm. They're they're a complete inverse of what they were when they won their first titles, their first three titles, where they had such a sound defense, what led by guys like you know Bruschi and Seymour mm-hmm. and Ty Law, like that team could mess with you defensively. Um, this team can't do that at all. No. There's a situational defense that depends on the offense being good. But you can never really count out the Patriots, too, to your point, which I agree. Because at the end of the day, they don't care if they're losing to the, to the Dolphins now. They care if they're beating the Chiefs in a couple of months. Yeah, but you got to play better. I mean, there's just execution of certain situations that just make you go, you're, you're supposed to put this team away. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to play with a certain amount of efficiency, but they're just simply not. Well, we're going to have to see if that's going to be a concern for the Patriots come the postseason. It usually isn't, but of course we have seen... It's not going to be much of a challenge because after this game, after the Steelers, win or lose, they got the Bills and the Jets. They're going to roll those two teams. They, well, you, would, you would think so. I mean, after today's game, who knows? But it was a fluky game, whereas the Steelers flat out, they lost. They lost against the Raiders. They lost against the Broncos and the Chargers, which is not, so, not exactly what you could say about the Patriots. Game number four, the Saints who are a very good team, perhaps the best team in the NFC, depending on who you ask, and the Panthers, who are not a good team. and They were once. They were at one point in time. Six and two. They were always confusing, though. Even their 15-1 and one season when they went to the Super Bowl, it always seemed like you were waiting for the other shoe to drop. You never fully believed that Ron Rivera and Cam Newton and all of those guys, they were able to win the way that they were winning, but they were. But it just felt like something was happening. Like something was up. Well, I didn't believe Look, it. everything aligned for them that season because their defense was so efficient at forcing three and outs and um, getting turnovers, that combination. Mm -hmm. Very similar to what San Diego did in 2006. We talked about them where they led the league in three and outs. Mm -hmm. So they were playing on great field position most, most of the season, right? They did a fantastic job on that. And that made their offense artificially better and helped create those blowouts. So the Carolina team that we talked about that made the Super Bowl you know, feasted on a defense that put them in positive situations yeah. a lot of the time. That's not the case right now. And I think that this, there's something to me where the leadership, there's not a lot of faith in the leadership of this team right now. You know, you just get the sense that after that Pittsburgh game where they got rolled yeah. in that Pittsburgh game, uh, 
that all of a sudden it was like, oh, wait a sec, we're not that good. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, but that game seems to have hurt both teams. Uh, because Pittsburgh, I think, started to believe that they were that good. Yeah. And what ended up happening is they rolled a team that was headed south right right away. I mean, you know, there are a couple of games there for the Panthers that they could have flipped um, pretty easily, like the Detroit game, where they yep. could have won that game. But it shouldn't have come down to a two-point play at the end of the game. They should have taken care of business if this was a really good team. They don't take care of business right now. No. And so the, the Panthers likely aren't going to the playoffs. They're still in the hunt technically, but the Vikings or the, the Seahawks or the Eagles, Redskins, one of those two, one of those four teams are going to make the playoffs. The Saints, however, I've been touting them as the best team in the NFC, both from what they did last year and how they've been able to adjust and from what they've been doing this year. Up until that loss against the Cowboys, in my mind, they were undefeated with an asterisk because you th throw out that week one game against Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Bucks. They played the Bucks again this week, and at halftime... They've got three points. Mm -hmm. That's coming off of a game where they went to Dallas and they were held under two touchdowns. Got smoked. And this is the this was the best. This was one of the most exciting offenses in football. Everybody's talking about Kamara and Ingram. They're the most dynamic duo once again. They're revive or they're they're tapping back into the energy that they had last year. The Drew Brees MVP conversation is going on. But now this is two consecutive weeks where the offenses looked meh at best. Now they come back and they end up winning the game against Tampa Bay, and they end up turning it on an offense a little bit. But are you concerned at all from what you've seen in these last two games based on what they were before them moving ahead into the playoffs, especially a game like this where they should go out and just hammer the Panthers, but based on the, the performance against the Cowboys, a good defense, and the Buccaneers, a bad defense, and how similar those two performances were, I'm concerned if I'm a Saints fan. I'm concerned to a, to a certain extent, but I do believe that they can go on the road to um, to Los Angeles and win. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're going to get home field advantage in their first game. Yeah, at least, and maybe they still come back and get home field advantage in the the championship game. Like mm -hmm. right now, I mean, we're looking at a Bears team that's giving the Rams a lot of trouble. Yeah, that's something we talked about earlier. We'll see how this one plays out. Uh, but the Rams are are no sure thing mm -hmm. to get that number one seed. So I think if the Saints are home. For both of those games, I think they're okay, and they can get to the Super Bowl. The one concern that I would have about the Saints is I think that you can take away their best weapon on the receiving end, and they haven't proven to have a second guy. I mean, that's why they went and got Des Bryant, trying to make something work with him, okay? Because they needed a second guy who could take advantage of one-on-one -on -one matchups when teams take away Michael Thomas. So teams are taking away Michael Thomas, and then they're, you know, king on the running game enough that they can control Ingram and Kamara. It's not the same thing here over the last two games. At least we saw that in the first half. Today against the Bucks. we clearly saw it all game against Dallas, where the Cowboys were able to take those two, team, those two players away. I think that good defenses will do that. I think the one change in that is, look, they're not going to be in a road situation where they're clearly a, a much, much different team. Than they're on the road. Again, today at Tampa, the loss against Dallas was in Dallas. Mm -hmm. You know, the stats prove time and again that the Saints are just a very different team when they're on the road as opposed to being at home. Yeah, and, and last week Michael Thomas had 40 yards receiving against the Cowboys. He gets back to 98 this week against the Bucks. But yeah, taking away the weapons for, for the Saints, that's something to keep an eye on. I, I, I find it hard to believe that they're going to get knocked off by a team like Chicago, like a team like Minnesota or Seattle, but you never know. I mean, last year it looked like they were going to go to the Super Bowl and they were a Minneapolis miracle away from getting bounced out. So weird things happen. Well, the, the really key thing is, are you allowed to be more physical with a receiver like Michael Thomas with your DBs? Mm -hmm. like, especially you're going to double team that guy. Can you be physical at the line of scrimmage with him to slow him up enough that allows your safety or second cover guy, whoever that happens to be, to get over there and help out on him enough, and you know, while you're disguising your coverage, or at least while you're keeping that safety in the hole to make sure that they don't take advantage of some, you know, having Camara, you know, catch, you know, run the ball right away. So, in the playoffs, you're allowed to be more physical with receivers. I think that's going to play into what New Orleans does again, especially if they have to go on the road. That'll 
that'll be significant for them. Yeah, and for all the concerns that we're raising, the Saints won the division for the second straight year today. So amid all of the questions that we have, they're still an incredibly good team, which is kind of Drew Brees' legacy in a way. And, like, incredibly, and they're in an incredibly good situation for this playoffs. They're, yeah, they're, they're sitting pretty. So the concerns, if there's a team I trust at all to self-diagnose and look at the problems and come away better for what they saw, better for the loss, better for the struggles, it's the Saints. Because, I mean, last year they start 0-2, rip off an eight-game win streak. This year it seems they've been able to do the same thing. Week to week in the playoffs, that's how you live. I would say the one concern I would have is when occasionally Sean Payton overthinks things. Mm. Um, I'd say there are some strategic moments where he gets too cute at the end, with endgame strategy. And even people within that building have remarked about how, hey, look, we should have not handled this situation the way that we did. We were either lucky to get through it or we lost the game because of how we all right, so the Bears, they're playing right now against the Rams. They are up against the Packers next week, a team that we thought were going to, you know, they'd have a we bounce thought, back We here. thought this game was going to be a flip game, where it was the Packers Not were anymore. in first place, playing, you know, <laughs> at Chicago, and that the Bears would be the spoiler of sorts in this one. That, like, everybody would have thought that that's what happening, mm-hmm. especially after that first game of the season where oh, the yeah. Packers came back and, and got them. In, in, the, in that great second half by Aaron Rodgers, you know, on one knee, uh, Packer season's gone. <laughs> it has not gone, gone well. No, it has <laughs> not gone well. And I think the Bears, look, you know, I think the Bears are a playoff caliber defense, mm-hmm. the kind of defense that can win a Super Bowl. I just think that they're not going to get there because they're going to have, from the position they're in, they're going to have to go on the road twice. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. You know, once you get the second, you get the you know the second round and into the championship game. I don't think they're capable of going on the road and winning like that. No. Um, but but they have every ingredient to be that team that can win a championship based on their defense. Well, Bears fans will be very happy to hear that. I still think that the future is where all of that hope should be invested. But the Packers right now, the, the present for the Packers in the future, it's a little it's a little grim. Smoking Joe Philbin, he takes over as head coach today in the first 90 seconds of the game, uses both of his challenges. That's, as you would say, that's awesome. <laughs> I do. I, 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 <laughs> that's, that's incredible. I, I, yeah, just uh, fantastic. <laughs> Way to go, Smoking Joe. I, and lose both of them. And he lost them both. He but the Packers them. win the game. They score 34 well, points. Well, because I, you know, I mistakenly took Atlanta because I don't believe in the leadership of Smoking Joe. And certainly from a strategic standpoint, I think I was correct. That smoking show is not exactly <laughs> uh, the guy that you want to have. But, yeah, the Packers have good players, and mm-hmm. there are no excuses for where they where they're at, other than the leadership of this team. The message got old. I think we've talked about it a lot. You know, Mike McCarthy didn't reinvent himself enough times mm-hmm. to make it a competitive team the way that he should have. All right, another game that features a good team. And a bad team, one team with a lot to play for, one team that's playing for draft stock. We've got the Texans and the Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 Fireman Ed. He's all jacked up for this one. Bill O'Brien going up against Todd Bowles. It's a coaching coach-off in New York. It's a coach-off. What, what's your thing with Bill <laughs> O'Brien, man? You just don't believe in Bill O'Brien. I don't believe in Bill O'Brien. Like it, go, it all goes back to, there was a couple of games last year with Sean Watson where he single-handedly Winning, or maybe not single-handedly, because the defense was pretty good. But they're winning in New England, 30-28 to 28 or whatever like that. And Bill O'Brien, he just, it's a series of screw-ups on his part. And it was that, it was spending an entire offseason looking at Deshaun Watson, looking at Tom Savage and going, you know what, we're going with Tom Savage. That's the one, that, that, that's our guy right there. And he lucks into Deshaun Watson because Tom Savage gets hurt in the first game and they have to go a different direction. If Tom Savage doesn't get hurt in that first game against Jacksonville, he doesn't run into the Jacksonville buzzsaw. They might have gone undefeated. With Tom Savage? 
was Tom Savage. <laughs> Why are you down on Tom Savage? Yeah, I'm down on Bill O'Brien. It's Bill O'Brien. And Tom Savage right, showed but you're nothing. Saying, but you're saying that Tom Savage was a bad choice. Where we don't really know. He wasn't as good of a choice as Deshaun Watson. And if you're looking at Deshaun Watson and what he was <laughs> and Tom Savage for an entire offseason, come on, Bill O. Don't do that. And now he's got an extension. Now he's there. He's Bill the guy. baby. So the, the Texans are tethered to him. How confident are you down the stretch here? Because the Texans up until today, were they were fighting for the number two seed in the AFC. So I guess as much as I hate on Bill O'Brien, he was about to be the coach of the second best team in the conference. That doesn't happen because they lose to the Colts. Now they go up against the Jets next week. What do you think about the Texans? Bill O'Brien, Deshaun Watson, the defense, Romeo Cornell, all of it. What's your read on the Texans? I thought the Jets did a hell of a job today, coming back to winning the Bills. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. Like the damning with no praise. Um, not even faint praise. Oh, look... I don't think that Bill is the greatest strategist that has ever walked the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. I think he's an okay coach. I think he's actually got a pretty good offensive, offensive design to what they're trying to do. They know how to score points. But in big games, I think he doesn't have a plan. Or if he does have a plan, I don't think that he has one that I trust, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the fact that they weren't ready. like I thought Indy was going to go in there. And win mm-hmm. because I don't think that Houston's all that good, mm-hmm. right? We both talked about it before the game. We both picked Houston, uh, Indianapolis to win today in Houston. Yeah, and that shouldn't happen. Just like the last time an Andrew Luck led Indianapolis team went into Houston, it took a miracle comeback by Brock Osweiler to go to overtime to beat them. Like this is a couple of years in a row where. Indies outplayed the Texans in Houston mm-hmm. and won that. And you're just sitting there going, that shouldn't happen with a talented Texans team. You know, Jadavian Clowney shouldn't jump offside on a critical third and one play, you know, in, in the closing minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. That is not a tactically prepared team. So, yeah, I, I get what you're saying about Bill O'Brien. It makes me worried, it makes me frustrated. Um, if I'm a Houston fan. And I think they go into New York against a Jets team that's going to be very loose. And I don't like how they're playing. Houston's got the Jets, they've got the Eagles, and they got the Jags down the final three games. And as seemingly easy as that sounds like it should be, I don't trust that they're going to sweep those games. Mm-hmm. They should dominate those three games Walk, walk through that and say, look, we're the best team in this division and we should be challenging New England for the number two seed and try and be hosting these games. But I think that they're a team that sometimes just says, oh, we made the playoffs, thank God. Yeah. That, well, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. Not for the kind of talent you have. And it's reminiscent of what we were just talking about with the Panthers. Like it's, we, on the, Before the game when we're both picking the Colts, the Texans are on this long win streak. And really the reasoning was it was kind of a bunch of psychobabble, but my reasoning was, well, they just can't sustain another win. Like, I don't believe they can win this many games in a row. And that goes back to with the Panthers not believing in them that 15-1 season and the Stars kind of aligning. And also now here with the Texans, where the Stars are aligning a little bit. Jacksonville is a down year. They're regressing. The Titans aren't maybe as good as people thought that they were going to be, and the Colts are in the middle of the road still in the playoff hunt. And the rest of the AFC is falling in their lap too. The, the, the Patriots are a little wobbly right now. You don't have a really strong third or fourth team, so the Texans can kind of slot themselves into that. Uh, On the flip side of it, the Jets did come back to beat the Bills, but I would like to just highlight right now that Josh Allen has all of a sudden become Walter Payton in the pocket, so he's now able to rush for almost as many yards as he throws. Josh Allen throws for 206 yards. He rushes for 101, and there was a stat that went out. He tied or broke Michael Vick's record for being a rookie quarterback who rushes for X amount of yards. I forget exactly what it was. It's I was not, too stunned not, to get the whole stat. That's not a stat that you want to – that's not a record you want to set. No? As a quarterback. No. No. Unless you're Mike Vick, who can also throw. Josh Allen, not Even so Michael Vick early on really wasn't that great a thrower. Okay? He was just an athlete playing mm-hmm. and 
eventually became a better thrower, and unfortunately it didn't sustain it, but it got there. Josh Allen, like, you got to throw passes. Yeah. And, we, you know, we talk about that. We talked about that with Lamar Jackson. You know, there, there's a lot of work here to be done um, for Josh Allen. Yeah. So all the positives that people are talking about with his rushing yards, like, you're not making a limit on that. I think he should win the rushing title. That's my pick for next year. Okay, let's give move, him the, give just him move on. <laughs> Stop. Just stay uh, there. Let's go. The Eagles and the Rams, which this is another matchup that we looked at earlier in the season. We're like, ooh, that's going to be a good one. This could have a lot of playoff implications. And it mm-hmm. still could, but it's very minimal. Because the Rams, if they win in Chicago. Well, it could have a lot of playoff implications for the Rams if they lose. And yeah. you know, what we're seeing here so far in the in the Bears game, mm-hmm. where the Bears are on top 6-3. And... As we, as I talked about, and I don't know how you felt about this game coming in, I was worried about the Rams' offense in this game, yeah, um, and how how Jared Goff would throw the ball. And so far, not great. Nope, not small not, hands in cold weather. Small hands, cold weather. Not exactly what you're looking for. Um, not an efficient offense um, against a good defensive team. Yeah. So what happens when you get the Eagles? Now, the one thing you'd say is the Eagles sort of. Put everything they had into today. Mm-hmm. So now you get a crestfallen Eagles team going into Los Angeles, and maybe that doesn't work so well mm-hmm. um, for them. So you know maybe the Eagles are finally done. But you know the Eagles are kind of a plucky, interesting team, and, I, and they they make it more interesting when they're playing from a position of being an underdog. And maybe they go in there and, and just give this a game. I think the Rams handle them pretty well no matter what happens against the Bears. Mm-hmm. But the Rams also are you know, putting themselves in a position where that number one seed is in play. And I'll say this, that number one seed is critical Yeah, if you're the Rams. You, wa- you do not want to go back to New Orleans for another game. No. And so the Rams, they get the tough game against the Bears, and then the game against the Eagles, which was the Carson Wentz game last year where he got taken out the the torn ACL, which we thought was going to alter the Eagles season. Turns out they end up winning the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. And the Saints' remaining schedule is they get the Panthers twice, and then they get the Steelers. Right. So if you're the Rams, that's not an easy game against the— And if you're the Eagles, you're looking at that and saying, maybe we're not in this, but this is spoiler season. This is where teams, they're still playing for some things. They could. I, I, like, I'm not a big believer in playing for spoiler stuff. I just I don't buy into that. And I think the Rams are just—they're going to take advantage of that Eagles secondary. Mm-hmm. Okay, because that Eagles secondary is not. I mean, we saw Amari Cooper light him up. Yeah. And they've got, you know, with between Cooks and some of the other guys that they have, they should be able to uh, they should be able to take advantage of the Eagles secondary pretty easily, especially at home. The next game that we have to talk about, our eighth best game of the week, the Miami Dolphins and the Minnesota Vikings. Jason, the Miami Dolphins today, they beat the New England Patriots on one of the most Bizarre. amazing plays that you've seen since the band was on the field. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. You really, you really went there. Bringing that up, that's right. Uh, but it worked out for you yeah, because the Dolphins I, win. So. Well, it worked out for me because my wife there is you go. a gigantic Dolphins fan. So she's really happy. And if she's really happy, I'm really happy. I think that's just how life works, as every man knows who's married. <laughs> um, One of the many lessons that I've picked yeah, up Yeah, but so every far. time I see those laterals starting to work, like that takes me to a bad place. So it's... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a that's a bad flat bad flashback. Uh, what's interesting, both these teams um, have a lot riding, mm-hmm. which I'm, I I don't trust the Dolphins going on the road. You know the things that they you know the Cincinnati game earlier this season there they just looked terrible. They went down to they went to Indianapolis, played played a, a terrible game in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know very unimpressive stuff that they've done on the road when they have. Look, they have better talent than than they've sometimes played to. Today was a struggle. They should have lost today. Mm-hmm. They didn't. Good for them that they stayed in it. Uh, but there's also a Vikings team that, look, neither one of us trusts either. No. I mean, Kirk Cousins, has he played well in a big game yet? No. no. Uh, still got this game against Seattle tomorrow. Uh, but it's a primetime game, and he's played like trash in all his primetime games. he got the Saints game, which he's useless in. You could argue that the, the Patriots game last week was primetime because it was the game of the week. It was on national television. It's a 4 o'clock game on the East Coast. And then, I mean, every single – the Bears, they played the Bears Every time Sunday there's night, a moment the that Packers. you're supposed to rise to, 
he doesn't. Yeah. And that's, you know, like that's just the mark of a great quarterback. Now, the Dolphins aren't that great. So, <laughs> you know, you would think that Minnesota should be able to take care of business in this game, but I don't trust them. Mm-mm. I don't trust the Dolphins. I don't trust the Vikings. One of these teams, maybe both, make the playoffs. Um, this is a pretty good measuring stick of where they're where they're at. But boy, I, you know, we have this as the eighth best game. It's an interesting game to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a compelling game, I guess. It's, and that's a weird no. way to put it. But it's not like I'm not sitting here going, God, I really want to see how these teams play because I want to project them out. I think they both make the playoffs, but do nothing once they get there. Yeah, I mean. To your point, I, I want to see this game because I want to see how these teams play, not because it's interesting to me, not because I'm invested, but because I need to see, are the Vikings as vanilla, as mediocre as they've looked so far this year? Like, we all joked when they lost to the Bills that it was going to be an anomaly on their schedule, that, oh, remember, we're going to be talking about the NFC Championship game, remember when they lost to the Bills? Now that's more of an alarming loss. I mean, say what you, I mean, we we're not going to talk about Josh Allen again, but he played well in that game when he shouldn't have. If the Vikings' defense is as good as Mike Zimmer has coached it up to be, if it's as good as we're, we're been told it's supposed to be, if Kirk Cousins is his $84 million quarterback, whatever, they don't lose that game. They don't start slow against the Cardinals. They it's don't the start Chad slow Greenway against the, the Jets. You lose, Chad Chad, you lose Chad Greenway, it all goes to hell. That's right, Chad Greenway. Iowa's, Iowa's finest, ported over into Minnesota. You're not buying that, are you? No, not at all. He's a good player. He was a good player. The karate kick celebrations were all over the place, but... Just not those those teams were not it's 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 mediocre. So the Vikings, the Dolphins, we're not sure what we're going to get out of them. We're not necessarily particularly. I think we're getting a Minnesota win only because I don't think the Dolphins are very good on the road. But I don't have faith in either team. No, and we're going to see. I certainly don't have like. There's nothing about the Tannehill Cousins matchup that <laughs> oh, screams flex awesome. it, yeah. flex it right no, now. No, Put no, it in prime time. We need Alan Chris to call that game. Uh, another game, which is we're going to share a lot of sentiments of this game, the Vikings and the uh, Dolphins game, the Ravens and the Buccaneers. So the Buccaneers, they've thrown together a string of all right games, enough that Jameis Winston seems like enough. he's going to come back next year and be the starter yep. at $21 million that he's owed. 20.9. 20.9. So I'll, I'll round it up. Because you'll feel good. You're, you're going to feel good about it. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. As a, as a Buccaneers fan. Uh, I, it's a disease, and I'm sure I'm going to talk myself into Are you it. talking about Jameis' a disease, or are you talking about being all, a Bucs it's fan? All, it's all it's it's all wrapped it's up. It's It's... it's it's bad. It's, it's, we just have to <laughs> have you been hospitalized it. for this. Oh, there is no cure for this. The, the Baltimore Ravens, they go into Kansas City, almost win. Uh, we were talking about how— Some ways should have won that game. They, well, we were Some talking ways. about before the game how well the defense matches up against the, the, the Chiefs' offense. It was written about all week how they were going to slow down the pace of the game. They do sort of slow down a Chiefs' offense. They were bailed out a little bit with the Tyree Kill injury. He was slowed up, so that gummed up the works a little bit. But they lose a game they probably should have won. Now they go to another team in Tampa where it seems like they should beat this team. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily confident that they will. Lamar Jackson plays all right, not great. You said before the game this was a game he needed to throw. He needed to prove this is what, he, he can be a passing quarterback. He's not just this runner a la he's just Josh a, he's, Allen. He's just a runner. You didn't see anything that impressed you from him in this game. He, made some, he, he did okay. Mm-hmm. But... He, he has a bad throwing motion um, by any measure. Uh, he's not accurate in, in tight situations. I, I think he doesn't feel the rush. You know, that, that turnover late in the game where Justin Houston hit him. Yeah. Like, he just didn't know that Houston was anywhere close to him. And that's, that's a bad, like, he was, it was like almost he was surprised that Houston there mm-hmm. so like he just doesn't have a peripheral vision about him and most of the game when they did drop him back it was one read and take off mm-hmm. right like there was no progression of okay i see this then i'm going to go here here and here it was his, if the first reads open he's letting it go um, occasionally he would pull it down get it out of the pocket and see if something would develop a little bit but mostly it's like don't see the first read, pull it down, I'm taking off. Because I don't have a real 
comfortable feel about progressions and what I'm trying to do back here. I don't feel the pass rush mm -hmm. here. So it's a lot of design. Now, within that, when they run uh, some read option stuff and you know, run some RPO stuff, uh, they're pretty good. You know, Gus Edwards does a, does a nice little job. I mean, I don't know who, who this kid was, but, you mm -hmm. know, until about three weeks ago. Gus the bus. Gus the bus. Uh, he does a nice little job. Um, you know, Jackson running off of that does a nice little job. But that only takes you so far. Mm -hmm. Now, it, it took the Chiefs to the map, but the Chiefs are, are a terribly weak defensive yeah. team. Now, I want to see the Chiefs when they get Eric Berry back. We didn't talk about that much earlier, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe that'll improve their defense significantly. Um, but I think that the Ravens will go into this game relatively hungry. They're going to be at home with the Bucks. I think the Bucks, you know, played one half of football today, yeah, um, decently, and that's about as much as they can do. And I think what will happen is Baltimore will chew up about thirty-six minutes of the clock, run for about two hundred and thirty yards in this game, and probably come out with a. 23 to 13 victory, something, right. something like that, which is a dull but effective win. And I think that's, I think that's what the way this one's going to play out. Yeah. So this was Lamar Jackson's second worst passing performance of his starting career. I mean, he started that first, we'll say that his first official start was against the, the uh, Bengals, which it was, uh, he goes for 147 yards today in the air against the Chiefs. If he gives it, if he puts in another performance like that next week against a very bad Bucks secondary, like I don't care if they got four interceptions off of Cam Newton, I don't care what they did for the first half. Against you want to you want to go back? They're not good, and they're that's not, no, but look, there's only five teams in the AFC that you say they can win it. Mm -hmm. so whoever the sixth team is, is not real. Well, look, I take that back. There's Indy, mm -hmm. okay, Indianapolis. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Because they can score, but they're not really consistent, okay? They're like a, a, a step back of the other five, but because they have Andrew Luck, they can make some things interesting. The rest of these teams, I don't care if it's Miami or Tennessee or Baltimore, none of those teams are doing anything. Okay, maybe they luck into a victory against some weakened Pittsburgh team. I can see that happening. Mm -hmm. um, but they're not doing anything after that. No. They're probably losing in the first round. So it's a one-and-done, whoever the number six team is, in all likelihood. Again, with one exception, that's Indianapolis, because they have a quarterback who can do some damage in the playoffs. Mark Jackson's not hurting anybody. Ryan Tannehill's not hurting anybody. Marcus Mariota, nope. he's not scaring anybody in a playoff situation. You know, if we get to the Broncos somehow, who hurt themselves today, I mean, yeah. Case Keenum's not hurting anybody either. No. Speaking of the Broncos, they lose to the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to get to the Broncos in a little bit. They're our 12th best game, so a little teaser there. But our 10th best game, or most interesting game, I should say, is the Seahawks and the 49ers. San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan gets a win against the Broncos, which I guess credit to Nick Mullins. He played better than we thought, and uh, I guess they should just trade Jimmy Garoppolo Well, this is a big one so. for Shanahan, because yeah. Shanahan wanted a little revenge on Elway for mm -hmm. not hiring him when the job was open, because... That was you know, two years two years ago when he was on the market. He wanted to desperately go back to Denver, uh, but they wouldn't make that marriage happen. You know, he did it. His dad was in the stands and was in the stadium today to watch mm -hmm. that as they took on Elway. I mean, look, they're all friends, but they're frenemies. Yeah, all right. They they want to be each other really really badly, and so this was a sweet <laughs> one for Kyle Shannon. Frenemies too. That's a good reference. There you go. That's that's good. It's yeah. not as good as the Arthur references you were making in the office last Sunday. No, but that you, was on point. the fact that you understood the Arthur references made me feel good. Well, that's what I'm here for. Uh -huh. uh, some somebody else that feels really good right now is George Kittle. He gets 210 yards receiving. All of that came before halftime. They didn't throw him a single pass in the second half. He wasn't injured. Well, he, just, he, didn't, he didn't catch a single pass. Well, yeah. I mean, they threw to him, but seven receptions, 210 yards for George Kittle. Uh, but the 49ers are going up against the Seahawks, who have a lot to play for. This is a team where a lot of people wrote them off before the year, saying that Pete Carroll was coming back kind of a lame duck year mm. where you don't have a really good team. Did you really improve the offensive line? What are you going to do without Richard Sherman? He had the drama with Earl Thomas. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a Seahawks team sitting at 7-5. and five. They play on Monday against the Vikings. Let's say that they win because it's at home. Neither of us believe in the Vikings. 
Not you're, on the road. Not on the road. You're you're eight and five. You're going up against the forty. And they own the 49ers the, the last 49ers. couple of years. I mean, with, with Shan, even with Shanahan there, mm-hmm. um, they've owned them pretty well. I don't think that they've scored more than sixteen points in any of those games. Mm-hmm. The three games that they played, um, they yeah. played last week. So, look, I think Seattle Seattle goes into um, San Francisco or Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. As, it, as it is. Uh, and I think they take this victory. I think that the 49ers basically played played out everything that they have left today to, as a spoiler against Denver in a very personal matchup for uh, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. That's, that's what I would say on this one. I think Seattle takes this game pretty easily. I, as, as much as it's one of the hot sort of marquee games, if you want to call it that, it's not... I don't think it's a per- terribly um, competitive game. No, it's marquee because assuming that the Seahawks win on Monday, then they beat the 49ers, they're at 9-5. and five. So if you're a team in the NFC, how, how much are you not looking forward to playing Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson in the playoffs? Like, Is that something where they get in, they're a true wild card in every sense of the word? Or if you're Dallas or if you're Chicago, you're really scared of Seattle. But, I mean, we were saying that at the beginning of the season. Like, are you really believe in the Seahawks? But then, yeah, but I mean, they were talking shape. about going on the road. Like, I think that both Chicago and Seattle have the defense to say, like, we can control what they do. Yeah, could they be, Could they win that game if they get a couple of lucky plays, you know, where you, where you get a deep one for Lockett or you get, you know, a deep one for Baldwin, something like that happens? Sure. But I don't think that that's I, – I just don't see that Seattle – while they have played much better than we expected, I don't think they're going on the road and beating a good team. A good, not a good, solid defensive team. A couple of other teams here in our 11th most interesting game of the week. The Tennessee Titans and the New York Giants. The Giants, all of a sudden, the offense turned on today against the Washington Redskins. Oh, and they're, they're, they're remarkable, aren't they? It, I mean, Saquon Barkley turned on against yeah. the Washington Redskins. Yeah. It was the New York Saquon Hey, look, they won this game with no Odell Beckham. It's true. Well, they went in with that's an OBG-less team going in and dominating. 40 points. 40 a, points a, a Redskins team that had Sanchez and Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson, he of 195 yards passing. Those are his he first had not thrown a ball since 2011. 2011. That's John Gruden's joke to the world. He's still laughing about that. Josh Johnson drafted in Tampa Bay. Doesn't throw a pass since 2011. And here we are God in 2018. Bless Josh Johnson <laughs> for making NFL money. Okay? He got drafted God in the, uh, the uh, now new look, AAF we both, league. We both believe Colin Kaepernick should have that job. Absolutely. But bless Josh Johnson for making money you know, out of the NFL. True underdog As story. the fourth quarterback for the Washington Redskins he has a, this season. He finished the game with a passer rating of 104.9. Let, okay. that, let that sink Enough in about the Giants and the Redskins. Tennessee, if they don't go in and win this game Over. and control this game, like, Done. do you care? No. Like, and, and they've got Washington and the Colts left in the final two weeks. So they have uh, you know a little bit of control of what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. But you have to win this game. It's just you have to. Uh, just like you have to take care of business against Jacksonville, which they did yeah. on Thursday night. That was a nice win for them um, in a game that nobody really cared to watch. Okay? No. And Derrick Henry had a, had a great game. But, like, if this is a contest at all, that tells me that Tennessee does not have the mental capacity to take control of their destiny. And, and, look, the Giants are playing better football, but the Giants don't have anything to play for. Tennessee is everything to play for, and they should be prepared for this game. The uh, New York Giants are actually favored well, by two and a half I points mean, in this yeah, game. Whatever, that's odds maker stuff. Okay, because uh, they're like they're trying to entice somebody to bet on this game, and like who in their right mind wants to bet on Tennessee or the Giants? You should never, you should never bet on Marcus Mariota winning you anything until he actually wins you something. The last game that is the most interesting game. Of week 15 for us, it's a barn burner. This this is the game they should have flexed. The Cleveland Browns and the Denver Broncos. Greg Williams Buckle versus up. Vance Joseph, baby. Buckle up, baby. It's Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum coming straight at you. It's all happening. So we got midget quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't say midget, should I? 
Uh, I just said it again because I've been saying midget a lot. Vertically, vertically, vertically challenged, vertically or a little person. Is that the right terminology? I mean, if you're talking about Baker Mayfield and Case Keen, you're talking about multi-millionaire people who just have a height disadvantage. So they have that going for them. Uh, so the Browns. Yeah, that's making me feel better about myself. Too. Well, uh, <laughs> the Browns. They win. They beat. The, they beat the uh, Riverboat Ron and the Panthers, which I predicted. Which you I predicted. Think, I think you did too. And the Denver Broncos, as we mentioned, they lose the Shanahan. Which I did game. not predict. We did not predict. Uh, no, neither one of us got and that. And we're not going to speak of who predicted that game. But what do you see out of this game? Because Denver now they are they're they're on they're on life support with their playoff hopes. Well, I mean, I think that this is like the Houston game the week before when Baker Mayfield goes on the road right now against a team that has a good pass rush. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a problem for him. Yeah. So I expect that this is going to be another problem game for Baker Mayfield. And, and look, he's played terrific. That one touchdown pass, the deep one they threw today uh, against over two defenders, really yeah. over three guys because it was the first, first guy that the receiver got away from. That and he put that was a perfect throw. It was a beauty. It was just it was just awesome. You know, it was an awesome throw. And he could light up Denver. I mean, Denver's not great, but Denver does have a pass rush. They've got mm-hmm. some front, front guys who are big who can create some problems and put some pressure. So if I'm Vance Joseph, I'm doing anything I can to, to confuse him, throw some coverages at him, try and get him on the ground early, force a turnover or two, and, and try and get some control of this game early on. Uh, I think that if that doesn't happen, the Broncos are all of a sudden in, you know, ugly kind of game and that's it for their playoff hopes. I mean they're hanging by a thread right now anyways by losing to San Francisco. That was was a terrible loss. A terrible loss for the Broncos. They're at six and seven right now. Uh it's a little early and this isn't as much of a conversation as it was last year or maybe at the beginning of the year, but is Vance Joseph the head coach of this team when twenty nineteen kicks off? Not if they know somebody else that they can go get. I mean look probably I, I I told Elway he should hire Shanahan, you know, when he hired Joseph, mm-hmm. because he needed to go get a guy who's an offensive guy. Um, and he went with a guy who he thought was going to build, you know, take advantage of the defense that they had. And you know, I think he made a mistake in this hiring. Um, and I think that Kyle Shanahan—not that Kyle Shanahan has anything great in San Francisco—but you can't deny that he's a great offensive play caller. Mm-hmm. Okay, and really knows how. I mean, he's working with a third-string quarterback this year, and is actually making actually making it look interesting and competitive. So, I give Kyle Shanahan a lot of credit. I wish he was coaching this um, this Denver team because mm-hmm. I would feel better about it, and I oh, would yeah. say, "Look, there's something to build with there." Um, Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. He's not. That's not the reality. If I'm John Elway and I've got Vance Joseph, I'm saying... Can I upgrade? And if I can upgrade, I'm doing it now. And if I can't, I'm looking as soon as I possibly can. Vance Joseph has done a better job this year in handling situations. Um, he's not, not done well enough. Yeah. And he's a guy who's going to go get a defensive coordinator job if he gets fired. Like, he's not a no, bad defensive coach. Look, he's, fine. he's fine as an assistant coach. He's yeah. not. Look, when you watch Vance Joseph, you see a guy who's always a move behind what is supposed to be done next. Mm-hmm. That is not um, unusual for second-level and third-level coaches in this league. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of guys who are, like, he's reacting to what's going on rather than taking control of it or thinking through strategy of how a game is supposed to play out. And, again, that's pretty typical. It's also very typical for defensive coaches who rise to that position. And we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. This is and it's an offensive league. Like that seems. That's why they say, should hire Shanahan. That you need an offensive head coach. It's just like when the, in the NBA they used to say you need a point guard to win. You need a big man to win. Whatever area you're in, right now you need an offensive head coach. You need a Matt Nagy. You need a Sean McVay. You need a Kyle Shanahan to lead the, to lead the charge. You can have good defensive staff, well, and, but and, it seems, and having a good quarterback. 
helps too. That, that, that helps a lot, too. All right, so before we get out of here, uh, we have to give a shout-out to Fanatics. Make sure you visit fanatics.fansided.com. Use the code FANSIDED. You can save 20%. On your entire order, you can buy all of your playoff gear. You can buy all of whatever gear you want. Get the Jameis Winston jerseys because he's going to be back next year. FANSIDED. Use it at Fanatics. That's your promo code FANSIDED. Just like the site, save 20% for your shipping. Fanatics is the place to go for all of your sports needs. Nothing more needs to be said. Just use the promo code. You'll be a better sports fan for it, and it'll be decked out. So there's worse things you can be. He was Jason Cole. I am Josh Hill. That was our Week 14 discussion and a look ahead at what is waiting for us in Week 15. The playoffs are right around the corner. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, everywhere that you get your podcasts, whatever. That's where you're going to find Vertoram and myself each week in Stacking the Box. Remember, give it a five-star review. And if you don't want to give it a five-star review, then give us a one-star review and tell us how much you hate us. Because we like hearing that, too. You can also get in contact with us on Twitter. You can also email us at first.lastname at fansided.com. Please send your compliments, your questions, your hate mail, anything that you would like us to read or say on the show. Let us know. We will see you next Monday on the next edition of Stacking the Box. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know? The average garage door is made up of 1.3-millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know? Your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know? A runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money.